0: Good morning. Great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. I want to welcome not only the Plymouth campus, but all those at our regional campuses. We have Celine and Brighton and Gross Eel. We also have people in the overflow. Thank you so much for being here. Do you hear I'm out of breath? Yeah, I'm out of breath. I was on stage watching that great song and realized I didn't have my mic pack on. And so I ran up the stairs into my office, and I hit my mark on time because I'm a professional, I just can't talk right now. So so there you go. Talk about being in the moment, right? There you go. But I wanna welcome all of you who are guests, and I I really wanna give a word of encouragement. We're actually on FaceTime Live right now, I wanna welcome FaceTime Live, but uh, here's the thing, there's nothing like being in a place like this, is there? Experiencing God working, experiencing God's truth going out. <laughs> but some of you had to work really hard to make that happen here in Plymouth this weekend. And hey, in Eel, I know you're live streaming right now. You're packed out. You've got extra chairs. But uh, we were delayed because of traffic. And thank you for fighting through the traffic. Thank you for all of you who put in that time to do that. I believe God's going to touch your life as a result of it once I can start breathing again. and. Uh, <laughs> And here, here's the thing, we have three services here in Plymouth. We have two at all, uh, at two of our other campuses, Brighton and Grosse And you might want to check out some of those other services, because maybe less traffic and that kind of thing. But if 1116 is when you can get here, come at 1116 and we'll do everything we can to make the time worth the effort. But we're, you, you chose a great weekend. We're starting this series called Unseen. And uh, that, that leaves a lot of room for you to speculate what this is about, but in the end, I believe that what we're going to talk about over the eight weeks of this series can absolutely help you, maybe for the first time, figure out what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, what it really means. You might call yourself a Christian or not. You might think you're religious or irreligious. You might have grown up in a church or not. But I'm telling you, a lot of us miss it, because if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to understand that the essential parts of it are unseen. I, I'm sure that you've heard the saying, seeing is believing, right? You've heard that? Seeing is believing. And you've, I know you've experienced it, I certainly have. For example, I, for years, had people telling me that Hawaii was one of the most beautiful Places on the planet and I have to tell you personally. I I didn't know Didn't really care a lot of places on the planet. I guess it could be but then I went Seeing is believing Now I wouldn't want to have been there this weekend, you know uh, Getting a text message that a ballistic missiles coming in. It's false alarm, but whoo crazy stuff, but really it's a beautiful place For, for years People told me that the Bible comes alive when you go to the Holy Land, when you walk where Jesus walked. I'm going to be honest, and this is maybe going to be hard for you to believe since I'm a pastor, but for much of my life, I didn't buy the concept. You see, the Bible had already changed my life. I had never been there. I had spent a great part of my adult life, studying the Bible, trying to understand it, and and I devoted myself to teaching it like I'm doing this weekend, and I felt like I understood it pretty well. I thought it had already come alive for me, but then I went to Israel myself, and I just have to tell you, seeing is believing. When I walked where Jesus walked, and saw the places where these stories unfolded, though you can understand the Bible without ever going, I'm just gonna tell you it woke me up in all kinds of new ways, seeing really is believing. For years, my entire life actually, people have told me to be patient. The Lions will eventually win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Well, I've been patient, I'm still a fan, But when it comes to the Lions going to the Super Bowl, I need to tell you, I'll definitely need to see it before I believe it. (laughs) So on the surface, and in some kind of superficial cases, the saying makes sense. Seeing is believing. But in reality, when it comes to the essential, the deeper issues of life, you need to know that saying does not make sense. That saying won't help you, that saying will hurt you. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, seeing is not always believing. And that's absolutely true. In fact, I think it's really the opposite. When it comes down to the deep issues, the important issues of life, let me, let me switch it up on you. Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. You'll never really experience the fullness of what Jesus came to offer you. You'll never truly understand the profound truths that he was attempting to teach you. You'll never experience the power of fullness that's available to you until you move from the concept of seeing is believing to the concept of believing is seeing in all the essential issues of life faith is the beginning of sight it's when you start seeing again Martin Luther King said faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase I mean think about it you don't see the staircase but By faith you're seeing the unseen and so you take a step onto a step you can't see and all of a sudden you're elevated and you take another step into the unseen and what's happening is believing is leading to seeing. Believing is leading to the materialization of real things. And I have to tell you, I believe that Martin Luther King Jr. pursued his entire dream in this way by taking a step onto a staircase that no one could see, but in so doing, he built a staircase to a better world. And as we get ready to celebrate Martin Luther King Day this week, let me just ask you, aren't you glad that he saw the unseen? Aren't you glad he took that step? Our world's better because of it. And we should be grateful. And it provides a great illustration for our lives here in the 21st century as we try to pursue God. What he did is extremely relevant to our lives spiritually. Here's what I've discovered. Following Jesus doesn't make sense based upon what we see with our physical eyes. If you're trying to figure out Jesus' truth and what he called us to with your with your eyesight in this world you're going to be confused frustrated and ultimately give up as the majority have following Jesus doesn't make sense that way it only makes sense when we begin seeing through eyes of faith it it, it explains really why so few live out the values of Jesus in this world a lot of people sing about him and talk about him but very few live them it explains why so few are experiencing the presence and promise of Jesus. Once again, they sing about them and talk about them, but they don't experience them. In order to experience them, you need to learn to live by faith. We need to begin seeing what is unseen by most people in this world. And here's the problem, you know, a talk is worthless unless it helps us to figure out and solve and work through a conflict and a challenge, right? Well. Here's the problem I want to address in this series. Too many of us claim to have faith in Jesus, but we don't see the world through Jesus' eyes. Too many of us claim to have faith in Jesus, but we don't see ourselves, and we don't see right or wrong as Jesus does. We don't see or live according to the unseen, which is what he was all about. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. It kind of gives us the, the foundational context for the whole idea of the series. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, it's missed, it just vanishes. But what is unseen, that's eternal. If we're really going to figure out and experience the fullness of what Jesus came to give us then we have to understand the different views we can have of this world and I just want to explain them in in two broad brush ways the views that we have the the first view and I'll use the language of our series the, the first view is of the scene and this is our natural view and and when when we view this world through what we see through the scene Here's the philosophy we live by. All we have is the here and now. Because that's all we can see. This moment, right now, what I have or don't have, what I'm going through or not going through, it's all about the here and now. And, and by the way, you can you can claim Jesus and you can pray and do all kinds of spiritual stuff and still have only this view of what's seen in fact what will happen is everything you pray about will be about the here and now and your view of God will adjust to the here and now if things are going great how will you feel about God great if things are going poorly how will you feel about God he's deserted you and he's betraying you and he's not doing right because you're viewing everything through the eyes of the scene you'll never experience the fullness of Jesus When all we have is the here and now, when you view life through this lens. In fact, it's summarized pretty well in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. This view has this philosophy: let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Just spend your life, because this moment is all you got. But there's a second view, and this is the view from which Jesus taught from and in which Jesus tried to teach us about. The second view is of the unseen. The things that you can't see with your physical eyes, but they're more real than anything that you can see with your physical eyes. In fact, everything physical ultimately comes from the unseen realities. And when you have a view of the unseen, this is the philosophy through which you live. Life is eternal and must be lived in light of the eternal. In other words, look, at life's forever. So this moment, even if it's an atrocious moment, doesn't define me and my relationship with God because that's eternal, do you see it? You're seeing through what's seen and through what's experienced to what's unseen but real. This is how Jesus taught. I, so many people have a challenge understanding the teaching of Jesus because they're trying to understand his teaching through the lens of the scene and what they can see with their eyes. You'll never get there. So many teachers, even that open up God's word, teach in, very erroneous ways very false ways because what they're doing is they're trying to apply the principles of Jesus which are meant to be understood in the realm of the unseen the heavenlies into the seen, and so they start demanding things from him that aren't real they're never promised look at how Jesus taught it in Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal No, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Too many people, even those who claim Jesus, have their heart lost in the seen instead of the unseen, in the place that's temporary instead of eternal, and they're missing everything. And quite often, I'm there. I can wake up every day and I'm... I'm, so affected by what I see and what I feel that that I start losing all of my thinking and faith and, and choices in that seen thing but in so doing I make bad choices, the wrong choices and so do you. Here's the truth that I want you to get this weekend as we lay the foundation for this whole series which I believe can be so life-changing for us and I hope that we'll be inviting a ton of people in because everyone needs this. This is the truth. What matters to us is determined by what we see. What matters to us is determined by what we see. The things that I treasure in life are determined by the view I have of of the world, of myself, of others, of my circumstances, our view. What we see determines how we live. What we see determines what we value. What we see determines what we live for. What we see determines the choices we make and too many of us are only seeing what's seen. And so we're making all the wrong choices. We're wasting our lives on the temporary. Romans chapter 12, 2 I think says it beautifully, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stop. Stop seeing the world through the natural lens that everyone sees this world through as if everything is in the here and now that's all that counts. No, let God transform how you see the world to see it that that forever is reality. And when you do see the unseen, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many of us are trying to evaluate the goodness of God's plan and the goodness of God's purposes and the goodness of God's will in our lives Through what we see, you can't do it. Because what we see doesn't determine who God is and whether he's good or not. God is good and he's doing the right things and we need to step into the world where we can understand that. We have to be transformed in how we see it. And when we are, we'll experience his best. I, I want to show you the difference, because I think sometimes contrast really helps us, and this helps me. I mean, because to be honest with you, I mean, you think, oh, he's a pastor, he's got this thing figured out. No, I don't. Yes, I'm a pastor, and I still can't figure out why God trusted me with this thing. I, it's like, I mean, I'm flawed, you're flawed, we're all weak, I'm on this journey, you're on this journey, and so contrast helped me, and, and contrast helped me determine where am I at on the spectrum Because it's not just black and white. I either live for the seen or the unseen. And this is how many of us are. Hey, I'm a Christian, so I'm the unseen person. No, that's not true. So so where are you at on the spectrum? How far of a journey have you taken? Let's look at the contrast and you assess yourself. You see, when we live for what's seen, here's our view. Right now matters for right now. In other words, the choice I make matters for right now. That's what I'm living for. I'm living for what I see. This choice matters for right now and the the Bible talks a lot about this, but look at the unseen and then we'll look at them both together in one little passage. When I live for what's unseen, here's the view I live through. Not right now matters for right now, but right now matters forever. Now think about how this changes our choices. If right now only matters for right now, hey, all my choices today don't matter too much, it's just one day. I mean, it doesn't matter if I blow it or not. It doesn't matter if I choose to compromise mora- my morality or my integrity or, or my stated beliefs or my love relationships. It doesn't matter what I do because right now is right now and tomorrow is a different day. But when you see through the eyes of the unseen, right now matters forever. That changes everything. Look at how Philippians 3:19 through 20 says it. Their destiny, this is the view, first of all, of those who live... Through the eyes of the physical world, they live for the scene. That's their view. Their destiny is destruction. Their God, that which they worship and live for, is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Now, let me just explain that. Their God is their stomach. What's that mean? Whatever they feel they need right now is what determines their choice. I need pleasure, I go for it, I need this, I go for it, I need this, their stomach is their God, their needs, everything in this physical world is what drives their choices and boy if that doesn't describe so many of us and then look what it says though, it says their glory is their shame because when you live for the pressing needs of the moment you will make choices that lead to guilt and shame and hurt and loss and I'm going to tell you I've made a lot of these. Every choice I've ever made that I'm ashamed of today came in a moment where I lived for that moment and not something bigger. How about you? And then it says, but that's not how it should be. If you're gonna really experience the fullness of Jesus, then you can't live like them because their mind is on earthly things. They're only living for what they can see with their physical eyes. But our citizenship, everything we live for, everything we're a patriot of, everything we care about, everything we see, is in heaven. And so we eagerly await, not for God to fix this moment and make this moment better or he's not a good God. No, we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we're not living for this moment, we're living for a God who's bigger this moment than this moment and who's given us eternity and it changes everything. Uh, Earlier, we did the song that our team put together. It was so brilliant. It was a combination of a song that's been done before and some of the lyrics they wrote, and it was called Pastime Paradise. And I'm going to give you a little quote from the rap part of that because I know rap's the favorite music of most of you here right now. And... uh, But I'm not going to do it in rap language because you'd laugh your head off if I tried that. But here's what they said. They're going to tell you, the world's going to tell you, this is it. Just live for today. Nah. What I do now lasts for eternity. So focus on forever. I've listened to the world and it left me empty. That's enough proof. Focus on the spiritual view. That's what I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) do. (laughs) I'm do, baby. <laughs> I think it means what I'm going to do. I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> the spiritual view is different than the natural view. But too many of us who say we're spiritual have the natural view. And it's what leads to all the mess. It's what leaves us short on God's promises. Leads to terrible choices. You see, when we live for what's seen, we have no absolute value because there are no absolute values. So here's another contrast. When, when you're lost in the world of what you can see and all you have is right now and we didn't come from anything of value and we're not going to any place of value. All we have is right now. We just exist in this moment as an accident of the universe, it means that we have no absolute value. I mean what value does a piece of dust have, right? And when you have no absolute value, that means there are no absolute values. What could be absolute? I mean here's the best way to say it. If you believe in nothing, then nothing matters. And it's really weird because we live in a world that claims no absolute value, that we live in a world, in a culture that claims no absolute truth. You know, it's not like we came from God and uh, we matter, you know, we just happened and we're going to die. But, but they preach to us as if their values are absolute. You have to believe this or you're bad in this culture. You have to accept this or you're bad in our culture. And you have to do this or go there or you're that. And if you don't accept all of these things, then you're awful. And they're preaching it as absolute. But they say we as people have no absolute value. Can I just tell you? That's stupid. Because listen. If we have no absolute value and there are no absolute values, just because they say something is right and something is wrong doesn't make them right or wrong because they don't matter either, right? Nothing matters. I'm so tired of people who believe that we have no value, that we don't come from God, telling me what the absolute values are all they're trying to do is tell me that my values are wrong and their values are right but who are they? God? No. They don't even believe in him. So here we're in a mess with this whole thing. In fact look at Romans chapter 3 verses 11 through 12. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away from God. They have to together become worthless of no value not because God didn't create them with value because when you live as if you have no value and without any absolute values you are living in a worthless way but that's not how we have to live we don't have to struggle to get security and esteem by giving everybody first place ribbons even when they lose races that's not how you do it the way we figure out that we have value is to understand not what we see but what we don't see because when we live for the unseen we have absolute value because there are absolute values now this is really important it goes back to the beginning if we came from nothing and we're going to nothing then we have no real value whatsoever. And whatever truth you want to live for is fine, but it has no value whatsoever. But if we came from God, everything changes. In fact, go back to the beginning. This is why the book of Genesis is so important. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Think about this. God established our absolute value. Do you know why every single human being on this planet matters? Because God created every one of them in his image and they matter because of him. That's why they matter. do you know why we can know we have absolute values? There, is, there are absolute rights and wrongs in this world. We can know because the God who is absolute created them. He's the one that said, you want to know what the great commands are? Love God, love others. Those are absolute. And you can reject them all you want. But in rejecting them, you're living for a world that's seen. You're living your life in a way that makes you feel worthless. And you're not experiencing all the fullness that he created you for. And too many of us as Christians live that way too. As if I don't have value. So much insecurity, so much feeling of self-worth. I mean, if I don't look this way, if I'm not this way, if I don't have this much money, if I don't have the job other people have, I'm just worthless. No, you're not. You don't have worth because of what you do. You have worth because of who made you. And he made you with value to live a certain way. You have to live for the unseen and it changes everything Psalm 139 14 are fearfully and wonderfully made God made us perfectly for who we're supposed to be and we have value and values but do we see them when we live for what's seen we seek fulfillment through knowing momentary pleasures because it's all we've got if all I have is right now if this is all I have then the only way I can experience fullness in this life is by experiencing pleasure in this moment, right? Gotta experience pleasure. One ice cream cone's not enough, I need another one. The minute I don't have an ice cream cone, my life's miserable. Or whatever your ice cream cone is. And this is exactly what we do. In fact, many of us pray to the God who's unseen and eternal for him to fix all of our seen thing. Give me pleasure in this moment. Give me pleasure in this moment. Give me pleasure in this moment. But we're not supposed to be living simply for pleasure in this moment. We're supposed to be living for something far bigger. Luke 12 19 says it. And I'll say to myself you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. It's all about today. It's not all about today. The reality is and this is so important in my life and I think it could be important to yours. I've learned that Self-discipline, the discipline to say no to myself, pursuing a pleasure that I shouldn't have or that would be destructive in my life or to the people I love, self-discipline doesn't make sense unless I'm thinking about something bigger than the moment. But when you live for the scene, all you have is the moment. If all I see and believe is in this moment, I make choices that might bring pleasure now, but they're going to be life destroying in the long run. We have to learn to see the unseen beyond this moment to the unseen realities of the future. And here's the fact, I'm, this is just a fact. I've been married 38 years, and in those 38 years, I am telling you, I have had so many opportunities to absolutely destroy that marriage, and there's only one thing that has kept me from making those choices and it's seeing beyond the moment of that pleasure to something so much bigger and so much more precious and so much more fulfilling and this is how we have to live our lives. Because you see, when we live for what's unseen, we seek fulfillment not through momentary pleasures, but we seek fulfillment through knowing our eternal purposes And my purpose is not the pleasure that this moment can bring me. My purpose is to experience all that the God of eternity has created me for, and it's there that I find fullness, not in the ice cream cone. Are you living for the seen or the unseen? It changes everything. Look at at clearly Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has you here for a purpose. God's plans for you are perfect, but so many of us miss them because we can only see what we see with our physical eyes. We haven't yet begun to see the unseen. You see, when we, if I can just boil it all down, when we live for what's seen, it produces despair. Now, not in the moment we have the pleasure, but right after the moment we have the pleasure. Because we realize, all of that for that. I paid that price for that. Some of us have given up everything that we ultimately have cherished for a moment, and the minute the moment was done, We say, I gave all of that for that. And there's only one consequence to spare. And it's not just in the big bad decisions. It's in even the little good decisions. It's like, who doesn't want a house, right? I used to think, well, if I could have a house, any house will do. And I got that house, and man, it was great. And then I realized it wasn't. It's like, it's small, it's terrible. I have to do maintenance. I don't like maintenance. Blow it up now. you know, that kind of thing. And then you, you, the, then it's, you're not happy with that house, right? At least it's fair. So now it's another house that'll do it, or another house. For some of you, it's no, it's another spouse. No, another spouse will do it, right? No, Not these kids. Dif- I didn't ask for these kids. I want different kids. Those will do it. Not, not this job that used to make me happy, but another job, not this, not this pastor. You know, another pastor. And what we're doing is, it's a cycle of repetitive attempts to find fullness in that which is temporary, and it leaves us in despair. If If you want a good illustration of it, ready? It's this. It's saying, there's always next year for the Super Bowl. 59 years, next year will be our year. I'm done with that. Look, if the Lions go to the Super Bowl, I'm a big fan, I've got the gear. I'll even put it on again, that'll be great. But here's the thing, I'm not living for it. Because very likely, I'm gone before that ever happens. I think I did something wrong somewhere in my youth. God's just saying, I'm not gonna let him experience it. It's just not gonna happen. It it produces despair. When you try and live for momentary pleasure, it leaves you in despair. And I'm telling you, remember that answered prayer where God gave you exactly what you wanted and how thrilled you were with God and how grateful you were and how good it was and how life was great. And then the next day, things went wrong. You see, momentary doesn't do it for you. But when we live for what's unseen, it produces hope. My hope isn't in my circumstances being good today. My hope isn't in everything going right today, because if it is, I'm dumb. My hope isn't in God giving me everything I want as if everything I ask for is, you know, what God would want for me, that's ridiculous, and yet that's how many of us live. But the unseen produces hope, and it makes sense. Ephesians 2.12 says, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, you were without hope and without God in the world. Without the unseen, all you have is despair. But when you're living for the unseen, it produces hope. Look at First Thessalonians 4:13 4, and 14. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who die, who fall asleep. We don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. In other words, we believe in more than what we see. And just get this straight. He was very clearly saying, all of you who follow Jesus and love Jesus, and I know not all of us do, but all of us who do, he's saying, you're still going to experience loved ones who die. You're still going to experience your death yourself. You're still going to experience the valley of darkness and pain. You're still going to experience all the sorrows of this world. But when you view life through the eyes of the unseen, you still have hope. So you don't grieve without hope. Losing my dad was one of the most horrendous experiences I ever went through in my life, but I'm going to tell you something. I got to stand at his casket with his canes, he had had polio and he couldn't walk when he was a kid, leaning against his casket and I was grieving and it was horrendously painful, but I knew for a fact that one day I'd be with him again and I'm telling you that's hope and it comes by viewing the unseen. We have to see it that way. So let me give you two examples just so you know this applies to you. Two examples of two great guys. The first guy's Peter. Peter, you know, the apostle Peter. And I want you to know, he was a man of great consequence. He was a man of great faith. He accomplished great things, but, but he was like us. He was flawed and he was frailed. And, and you just need to know for all of those, you're sitting here in church, you feel like, hey, I've got the whole faith thing down. I got thing. No, you don't. I don't. He he was so committed to Jesus that he gave up his job to follow Jesus. He was so committed to Jesus, he gave up and surrendered everything to live for Jesus and what Jesus wanted, but he still was seeing through the eyes of the seen instead of the eyes of the unseen. Look at Matthew 16. It's a great story of this. From verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples the realities. He has to go to Jerusalem. He had to suffer many things. People were going to betray him and and torture him and all that stuff at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law and and he had to die he was going to be killed but it's okay because on the third day he was going to be raised to life this is why jesus came right he came because he wanted to purchase for us what we couldn't earn ourselves he wanted to give us the reality of eternity God so loved the world he sent his son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life you know the verse and so he came but the only way it could happen is he had to live the life that we failed to live because we've all blown it. He had to then die for us because the wages of our sin is death, separation from God, not experiencing life. And then he rose again so we could have newness of life. That's why he came. And yet, look at what Peter said to him. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. It's not going to happen, Lord. You know, I, it's not going to happen. I won't let it happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now listen, this is really important. Peter loved Jesus. Peter followed Jesus. Peter believed Jesus. And Peter listened to his teaching, just like many of us do. But Peter still saw the scene. And he was interpreting everything that was going on through that lens. And Jesus says, if you live that way, you can worship all you want, but you're absolutely acting like my enemy. You have to start seeing the unseen. Are you? Great example, again, is Paul. Paul, just like Peter, was a frail guy. He blew it at times, but ultimately became a man of great consequence like Peter did. But look at this moment in his life that defines how we should live. Philippians 1, 20 through 24. He was in prison... And he was facing death simply for teaching about Jesus. And uh, everything he dreamed of wasn't coming true. I mean, all this different stuff. It was a bad moment. He really thought he was going to be killed, probably. And, you know, if you're facing that, you you wonder, am I going to do well in that moment? Am I going to be okay in that moment? Look what he says. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. I'm hoping I don't make bad choices, that I'm not ashamed of what I do in here, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body. I'll please him no matter what I'm experiencing, whether by life or by death. And then he gives us his view. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so he says, if I'm to go on living in the body, staying in this world, uh, here's what it'll mean. Fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. That's the better thing by far. But it's probably more necessary for me to remain to encourage you so God's gonna probably let me live but what was his view? The unseen hey if life is miserable God's real and God is good if life's great God's real and God's good if I die awesome for me I'm in heaven if I live awesome for you because I'm awesome you know that kind of thing it's like he's, it's like this is, he's seeing the world differently here's the problem Many of us who claim faith in Jesus don't see the world like that. We see the world like Peter. Let me give you the application. When we genuinely follow Christ, how we see the world and what matters to us should change. This is just so important. If I'm genuinely following Jesus, and many of us say we are, or we're trying to and all that stuff, if you're genuinely following Jesus, how you see the world... Should change. How you see the news should change. How you experience circumstances should change. How you live should change. The choices you make should change. What you treasure and what you care about and what you hold on to and what you let go of should change. Look at Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things above. Believing is seeing. Not on earthly things. Seeing is believing. Do you live by the philosophy seeing is believing? Or do you live by the philosophy no believing is seeing? It changes everything. Look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17. This verse comes alive when you understand seen unseen. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Okay, everything I've said so far boils down to this question. Are you ready? Have your view and your values changed. Have your view and your values genuinely changed. Are you living by the values of the unseen world that Jesus taught about or are you living by the values of the seen world? Are you determining what's right and wrong for you based upon the unseen realities that God has given us or based upon the seen realities our culture is teaching us? Are your loyalties to the unseen kingdom of God or to the very seen culture of this world? Are you more influenced by the culture of our seen world or the unseen world? Which one is it for you? And let me tell you why it's important, if you're ever going to experience the smile of God in your life, if you're ever going to experience his promises, everything hinges on this question. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 6, and without faith it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I mean, if I'm going to please God, I must, I I have to realize that my choice in this moment matters forever. You see, life starts and ends with faith. The ability to see the unseen, when when we can see the unseen, it changes everything. Can you? What I want to do is give you just a couple of action steps to work through this week. I think we have small groups actually going to be discussing this thing further, with all kinds of different things, but remember, this is the opening salvo of an eight-part series that I think can be life transformative for all of us, I, I, I really do. I hope we'll be inviting everyone in, I hope we'll be a part of this thing all the way through, but let me give you some action steps for this week. Here's the first one. If you're going to be impacted powerfully by this at all, the place you start is you have to assess your view, assess your view. Do I, do I tend to live for what I see or for the unseen? Which, which world do I see? And maybe you should take different parts of your life. In my marriage, am, are my choices in my marriage and my responses in my marriage, kind, of, do they, kind of, are they built on the unseen reality that this matters to God or kind of how I feel in the moment? In your moral choices, in your pursuits of pleasure, in your pursuits of finance, in all your life... Assess your view. Which view is it? 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. The enemy wants the unseen reality of God to be invisible to you because you will destroy your life if you can't see it. Assess your view. Don't say, I'm a Christian. Peter was a better Christian than you. And he blew it. Right? Don't give me the, the cliche answer. What's your view? Because it matters. And then, once you assess your view, you're going to find yourself short like I have. You're going to find yourself, oh, yikes. Then you want to admit your need. Admit your need. This week, I think there should be just a lot of admit. God, wow, I've been, I've been trying to use you to get my wishes for the now instead of allowing you to use me to accomplish your plans for eternity. I'm messed up. I have to do this all the time. Admit your need. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all that unrighteousness. Can I just tell you right now, failure isn't final when you know the Savior who's unseen. I mean, we can be forgiven. And then once you admit your need, then what you need to do, ask for faith. Ask for faith. Do you know, I know this as a fact for each and every one of us, do you know what all of us need most in this world? Every single one of us needs to take another step closer to Jesus. Every one of us, I don't care how far along you are, every single one of us has to take another step closer to Jesus. Do you know what that takes? More faith than we have or else we would have already taken the step. And so what we have to do is we have to ask for faith because, see, faith isn't something we can manufacture. Faith is something God gives us. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. God gives the gift of faith. You know what faith is? Faith is the ability to see the unseen. It's something that only God can make possible for us. So let me ask you a question. Why not ask God for the faith to see the next step on the staircase. God, give me enough faith. I can't see the whole staircase. Give me enough faith to take the next step, whatever it is. And so just before I finish this talk, and I know we delayed the service so you could all get in here. We did some things, but, but would you just honor this moment, stick with me for a couple minutes, bow with me in a word of prayer. And as we do, I want to encourage you all of you, just ask God for the faith you need to see the next step for you and if you're here and you've never ever yet experienced the first step of trusting Jesus, knowing forgiveness and knowing salvation I'm going to pray right now and why don't you take my words in this prayer in your heart, not out loud and, and make these words the expression of your heart to God, just say Jesus I I need you I, I've blown it I've lived for the moment I've, I've sinned I, I, I'm a mess but I believe that you died on that cross for my sin and that you rose again so I'm admitting my need and by faith taking the step to receive your forgiveness and love in Jesus name Amen Now, if you just prayed with me, just before I give you this last thought and we're on our way, I want to encourage you. Would you let me know? In our services, we give out a program. You all have it. It says Unseen in it during the series. Just take that out. On the inside is a little connection card. All you have to do is rip it out, fill it out in two appropriate boxes. One says you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time. The other says you renewed your faith by praying with me. If you did either of those, check those off. We want to send you a Bible. And we want to send you some thoughts about next steps you can take in your relationship with God. So fill that out and let us know. And just before I give you the last thought in this talk, this series I believe is so important that I'm doing something I've never done before. This Wednesday at about noon... I'm going to do a Facebook Live conversation to answer questions that go further than we went on the platform here and discuss this. I'll have another person with me. We'll have a conversation about this and try and entertain questions that you might have about how it works in real life and that kind of thing. Facebook Live, you can go to my Facebook and I, you have to like it, Pastor Brad Powell, and then you'll, you'll get notices of it and you'll know when I'm on. And we'd love to have you as a part of that conversation. We're hoping that takes you further and deeper. But here's the last thought since faith is seeing what we don't see and we need enough faith to take the next step on the staircase of our lives, look at Romans 10:17. consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. If we're going to grow on faith, if we're going to experience God gifting us faith, he gifts it through our living out his word. So start applying God's word. Apply God's word. Open it every day and try and live it every day. And here's what will happen. You'll go from seeing no staircase and no steps to one step at a time, seeing another step and another step. And next year, you will be so high up a staircase you didn't even know exist, all because you started getting into God's word and he helped you to see the unseen. This is life-changing stuff. I can't wait to see God do it in all of us. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.
1: As the word comes to life in me In the shape of your heart Please